All right, turn in your Bible. Am I on chair? Excellent. Turn your Bible to Hebrews 7. Hebrews chapter 7. Boy, I am thankful for this church. I'm thankful for our pastor. Just thinking, just I think getting ready for a message makes, makes uh, at least myself, makes me reflect on my whole Christian life and what this church has meant to me. Uh, we moved here in 93 from uh, California. And, uh, well, I guess, you know, New York's not much better. Um, but I would have it no other way. I've been here 27 years. My, it's, I've had the same pastor for 27 years. How many people can say that? Not, not a lot of people. I'm thankful for uh, the influences that have been here the whole time I've been here. Mr. Miller, Mr. Corey, Mr. Breyer, Mr. Fenton. Anybody I'm missing, please don't be offended. <laughs> I love you all. I am so uh, blessed to be in this church. Uh, with pastor not being here, I just wanted to say that we have the best pastor. Uh, I hope you know that. I'm thankful for him and, uh, and his family. Uh, Hebrews 7, 25. Before we get into the, the message, I'd like to thank everyone uh, who was able to come and help my dad move yesterday and Friday. Uh, I only asked a, a small amount of people because we didn't have too much stuff, but, uh, you know, there's more stuff than you think. But we, we were able to, to take care of it, and my dad is very, very thankful. Uh, I know that. Uh, he's not feeling well this morning, so pray for him. But uh, very thankful for my church family, and they're dependable. I can go to them and go to you guys and ask to, to move furniture and move all that fun stuff and uh you're just a blessing to me and you're you're a blessing uh to my dad also thanks to my wife for calling me yesterday morning when we were moving and saying uh you're preaching tomorrow morning right i said yes and she goes uh your suits are all of your suits are at the dry cleaner right now are you aware of this i'm like oh no and fortunately they were open till one o'clock so i was able to get my suit so Muldoon Cleaners, sponsor. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right, Hebrews 7. Hebrews 7. Uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the last couple Sundays, um, so March 28th, uh, pastor preached on the importance of the death of Christ. Uh, Mr. Corey that night preached on the importance of the Lord's Supper. And then Pastor Dunbar uh, preached why the resurrection is important uh, last Sunday morning. Uh, I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to be the last one out as far as preaching on salvation, preaching on what the Lord has done for us. Um, really, this is going to come from a perspective of, of a saved person, but I hope you can apply it uh, if you're not saved. Uh, the title of me this message is What You Got and What You Lost. And if you're not saved, this could be what you could get and what you could lose. All right. Uh, Hebrews 725. Uh, Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for this message that, that you've given me. Lord, help me to uh, communicate it the way you would want it communicated. Lord, I need your help. I need your power to preach this, Lord, and um, Lord, I hope it, I hope it helps folks, uh, but most of all, I hope you're, you're honored and glorified uh, when this message is over. In your name I pray, amen. Uh, we're just going to kind of use this as a 
springboard. Um, I promise I'll have you out by 12 a.m. before then. All right. Uh, so Hebrews 7.25 says, uh, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. We have a God who can save. Aren't you glad for that? God can save. He saved me when I was just seven years old, right outside Mr. Corey's Sunday school, right now in Mr. Corey's Sunday school room. So I'm thankful for that. Uh, so in that salvation, we didn't just get salvation. We got a bunch of other things. A bunch of other things happened that we either got or were applied at that point. So we're going to look at some of those things this morning. Uh, the first thing that you got at salvation, I was going to say that you gained, but I was like, I talk more like what you got. So what you got. We're northerners, right? All right. Uh, first thing, adoption. Let's go to John 1, John 1, 12. We're going to let the Bible talk this morning because there's a lot of verses. I'm not sure if we're going to get to them all, but that's okay. John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, God, even to them that believe on his name. When you got saved, you got adopted. Uh, you think of all these adoption stories and how tear-jerking they can be and hearing about the life they came from and hearing about the life they're gaining. You know what? That, that little kid did nothing to get adopted, right? That little kid was adopted because of, of the, the parent that's adopting them. Let's go to Galatians. Galatians 4. I brought my home Bible, which is larger, so it's actually harder to turn. So I'm not sure why I did that. I do like this Bible, though. All right, Galatians 4, 1 through 7. We're going to read Galatians 4, 1 through 7. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. But as under tutors and governors until the time appointed, appointed of the father, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions, the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more, no more a servant, but a son. I'm going to read that again. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. You know when adoption happens, they take that, they take that dad or, and mom's last name generally, right? Uh, we were able to be adopted. If you're not saved, there is an adoption waiting for you. All you need to do is trust in the Lord, what he did for you on the cross. Uh, we're going to turn to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel 9. This is my, there are a lot of pictures of salvation in the Old Testament. This is, I think, by far my favorite. And it's a fun name. This is the story of Mephibosheth. We're actually going to read the whole chapter. 2 Samuel 9. And David said, is there yet anything that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. 
And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and he did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and I will restore thee all, all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I, that, as I am? Then the king called Ziba Saul's servant and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall tell the land for him and thou shalt bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread alway at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then said Ziba unto the king, according to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do as for Mephibosheth, said the king. He shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was um, Micah, and all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth, unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did continually eat at the king's table and was lame on both feet. So we have Mephibosheth here who was the son of Jonathan, and he was, he was lame on his feet. And Jonathan and David were very close friends. And he wanted to know if there was anyone left. And his servant found uh, in Lodabar a man named Mephibosheth. So I just want to look at this story and, and draw some correlations of, of really adoption and what we gained at salvation. Number one, we, ben- we get benefit not because of who we are, but because of who our father is and what he did. You know what? Mephibosheth was not benefiting because he was lame on both feet. That, that's, not, that's not why David took care of him, right? He took care of him because of his father and the relationship he had with his father. Mephibosheth is gaining all of the benefits of being a part of the king's family. When you got saved, you gained the benefits of the king's family. Third, uh, eating at the king's table. We get to fellowship with the king. That's pretty neat. We get to fellowship with the king of the universe. Mephibosheth, you think, oh great, he got to eat all this good food. You know what? He had the king's ear. He had the king's ear every night. He had a king's ear every lunchtime and every breakfast, right? That's that's pretty powerful. Uh, Fourthly, Uh, The last verse says, So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, verse 13 of chapter 9, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both of his feet. You know what? All of these awesome, great things that that happened to Mephibosheth didn't heal him. He still was lame on both of his feet. You know what? After we get saved, after we get saved, we're still sinners. We We still have to confess that sin and get it taken care of. Mephibosheth still had... 
uh, still had that, uh, that handicap. He was still lame on both of his feet, even after getting, gaining the king's favor. So we're a part of God's family. We're adopted into his family. So let's act like it. Let's act like Christians. We all know people at work, out, out in public, or even here maybe, that say they're Christians and sometimes just don't act like it. You know what? We're adopted. We're in the king's family. All right, so number one, adoption. I have a lot of these, but a lot of these are going to go quick, so don't, don't get nervous. All right, number two is advocation. Let's go to 1 John 2. So adoption and advocation. 1 John 2. In teen class, we call the book of John, Jude, you know this, right? We call the book of John, zero with John, because sometimes people, they don't hear me say 1 John. So I'm like, 1 John, zero with John. All right, got it? Okay, cool. All right, 1 John 2.1. 2, says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. It's amazing when you're dealing with something maybe that you don't understand or is difficult or uh, anything like that, and someone comes along and says, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. You guys like that with your job or, you know, uh, I don't know, housework or anything like that? You know what? I'll take care of it. I'm, I'll, 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 talk to, I'll talk to so-and-so, right? We have lawyers. We have uh, we have people in the courtroom that, that speak for us, that, that talk on our beh- speak on our behalf. You know what? That's, what? that's what Jesus does with our sin. You know what? We can't, with our own sin, we can't do anything with our sin. Jesus Christ has to advocate for us. So we have adoption. We have advocation. Uh, let's go to 1 John 2.2. We're right here, I think. Yep. 1 John 2.2. Thirdly, we have propitiation. Propitiation. 1 John 2.2. 2. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. I always thought propitiation meant uh, to take one's place. And I looked it up in the 1828 dictionary, and it's, it's different. Uh, the act, uh, the 1828 dictionary says propitiation means the act of appeasing wrath and consolating the favor of an offended person. Let's turn to Isaiah. Isaiah 53. He is the propitiation. Isaiah 53. I got my own fresh water, so I didn't grab somebody else's. <laughs> Isaiah 53, verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin... He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Uh, that's an amazing thought. The Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ was killed and beaten and bruised, and the Lord was pleased. And he was pleased because he knew what the result would be. He knew the result would be uh, salvation for the whole world. Let's turn to Psalm 22. Psalm 
what this psalm I love because it it's a very good psalm to read um, while I used to do this while the Lord's Supper is being served. I used to read Psalm 22 while while it's while it's going on. I think it's a really good um, it's a it's a prophecy, but it's a good insight as to what was happening to Jesus on the cross. Verse one of Psalm 22 says, "My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me?" and from the words of my roaring. Jesus was forsaken on the cross because of our sin. And if you think about it, uh, Hebrews 13.5 says, uh, I'm going to go there. You don't have to. I'll go there. I just don't want to quote it wrong. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Jesus on the cross experienced something that you and I will never experience. He experienced the complete forsaking of God. And that's something that you and I will never have to feel. He will always be with us. He will never leave us, nor forsake us. That, that's a feeling that you and I will never know. Um, all right, so we have adoption, advocation, propitiation, and fourthly, we have sanctification. I don't necessarily, I, there are verses for it, but I don't have any written down. We'll just do this one real quick. Sanctification is separation from sin. And now this doesn't promise separation from sin, but we are sanctified. We have the opportunity to be separated from sin. This is something that Christians have to actively strive for. We have to actively strive for sanctification. But before you got saved, and if you're not saved, you have no opportunity to be sanctified unto God. All right, fifthly, Psalm 107. Psalm 107. Fifth is satisfaction. You got satisfaction when you got saved. Uh, Psalm 107.9 says, For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. You know what? The world, and even before you got saved, you were probably looking for anything and everything to satisfy you. You know what? The world has to get drunk. They have to forget. They have to forget the last last night, right? To be satisfied, right? But we have true, we can have true satisfaction in Christ. We got true satisfaction uh, when we got saved and true satisfaction comes from the Lord. You know what? When I think of true satisfaction, I think of, I'm all set. I'm good. You know what? That's what the Lord did for us. I think I don't need anything else. I think I'm full. You know, when you have a good meal, when you go have lunch this afternoon, you're going to stop eating and you're going to say, I'm full because you're done. You're good. You're, you're satisfied. That's what we got through salvation. Uh, redemption, number six, Ephesians 1, 7. First song we sang this morning was perfect. Jesus paid it all. Ephesians 1, 7. Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians. 
When I think of the word redemption, I think of purchasing. I think of buying something, right? Uh, And not only buying, but to buy out, which infers that we were owned by someone else, right? Let's go to Ephesians 1.7. says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. I love your King James Bible. That, that verse just flows. Isn't that, I think, it's, I think it's beautiful. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. We have redemption through his blood. Before we were saved, think of it this way, we were slaves to sin. We had no other option. No other option. The only option that we had was true salvation. And if you're not saved this morning, the only option you have is to serve sin. You know why you might have problems with that sin? Because you don't have true salvation. You haven't trusted the Lord and, and, uh, and called on his name and realized that the only way you can have all of these things we're talking about this morning is through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for you. We were bought with a price, Jesus' blood. 1 Corinthians 6.20. I'll just turn there real quick. Or real slow. 1 Corinthians 6.20. For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You are bought with a price. And that price was pretty high. You know, salvation's free to us, but it costs Jesus his life. It costs Jesus shedding his blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. It had to be done. And we're so thankful for it because we get all of these benefits that we're talking about uh, this morning. Imputation. Number seven is imputation. Second uh, Corinthians 5. When I was looking this up, I, I found some verses with the word imputation in it, but I thought maybe this isn't exactly what I'm looking for. But this verse doesn't even have the word imputed in it, but it has the doctrine of imputation in it. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I think this is my favorite. I think this is my favorite because, you know what? To impute something is to ascribe or attribute to someone else. On the cross, our sin was imputed to Christ. He took our sin so that we could have his righteousness. He took our sin so that we could have his righteousness. He paid our debt on the cross. He had no sin in himself. That's the way it would have to be. He had to have pure blood to cover our sin, to take over our sin. He uh, he took the just penalty that our sin deserves. At the same time, through faith, Christ's righteousness is imputed to us. Now we can stand before God sinless, just as Jesus is sinless. We are not righteous in ourselves. Rather, Christ's righteousness is applied to us. You know what? I think this is my favorite because I think about what, who I am and what I've done, and then I think about how Jesus, how the Lord views me simply because of what Jesus did for me and that my, my righteousness is as filthy rags. They can't do anything. But his righteousness is perfect. 
His righteousness is pure, and we have to have that righteousness to, to live the life that we need to live and also to go to heaven when we die. Uh, that was number seven. Uh, I, I have reconciliation for number eight. Reconciliation involves forgiveness, but does go beyond it. It's a restoration of relationship. Uh, reconciliation is what happened to us when we got saved. We were reconciled to Christ. Number nine, completion. Colossians 2. Colossians 2.10. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. When you got saved, you got completion. Uh, you are completely saved and you are uh, complete to go to heaven. Number 10, I have celebration. You're like, what? Celebration? Go to Luke 15. Fifteen, we'll look at verse 7 through 10. Luke 15, 7 through 10 says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what, uh, either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it? And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her, and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found that the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. I love how that verse is worded. Look at it again, the last verse. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over, over one sinner that repenteth. It almost, it's not, it's not a mystery, but it's, it's almost leading you to, to think, who's rejoicing here? Who's rejoicing here? It says, in the presence of the angels of God. I personally think it's twofold. I think it's God himself, and I think it's the saints that have gone before. It doesn't say the angels rejoiced, right? It says, in the presence of the angels of God, there is joy over one sinner that repents. So you know what happened when you got saved? A celebration, a celebration in heaven. Uh, number 11, justification. Justification. Romans 3 You didn't think you'd hear point number 11, did you? You're like, oh no. If I hear point number 11, it's going to be like past 1230. All right. Romans 3, verse 21. We'll go all the way down through 30. My Bible actually has a heading above this saying, justification defined. So I figured this is a good place to start. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus 
whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? And I'm glad it doesn't end there. It says, Any, is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is, it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. I, you've all heard justification. Just if I'd never sinned. Just if I'd never sinned. We are justified by faith. We are justified by Jesus' blood and by his work uh, on the cross. I found a song that I didn't know if I wanted to sing it or, or read it or what, but I printed it last night and I, I told it, the printer's in Addie's room and she was sleeping when I went to, when I was thinking about going to get the paper. I said, if you really want me to sing it, I'll remind me in the morning and I'll get it off the printer. Well, I walked into Addie's room to get her so we could get her ready and there it was sitting on the printer. So you're stuck with me singing this. So <clears throat> God held a great glowing balance and one side was waiting for me. The other side held such perfection as God had demanded there be. Then God held a scale in the middle, and my side, side soared high with my sin. I cried for my side to be balanced, then Jesus the Savior stepped in. I'm justified, I'm happy in Jesus today. The sins I've committed are all in the past. They'll never condemn me, for he holds me fast. I'm justified, I'm justified, I'm happy in Jesus today. I came to the river destruction, and the bridge that was over was long. My burden too large for the crossing kept me from that city I saw. I wept in despair for deliverance. My burden was all of my sin. Then Jesus took all on his shoulders and told me, I, you're free, enter in. I'm justified, I'm happy in Jesus today. The sins I've committed are all in the past. They'll never condemn me, for he holds me fast. I'm justified. I'm justified, and I'm happy in Jesus today. And that's 
justification and i'm so so glad to have justification just if i'd never sinned and nothing that i did but all that he did all that we just mentioned you got it salvation by the way heaven too that's what i have written down uh so that's my first point (laughs) all right second point is so the first point really is what you got what you got at salvation uh, this one's pretty short, I promise. Second, uh, what you lost. Turn over to John 3.18. Should be there. Or nope, that's Romans, sorry. John 3.18. Let's go up to verse 16. Just because. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. What did you lose at salvation? You lost condemnation. You are no longer condemned because of what Jesus did uh, and and the acceptance of what he did. Uh, Second, the second thing you lost, Romans 6, Romans 6. Romans 6, 14, 6 verse 14. Six fourteen for, says, "For sin shall have, excuse me, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace." You know what else you lost at salvation? You lost sin's domination. Sin can no longer dominate you. Uh, the Bible talks about putting off the old man and putting on the new. You have the opportunity to put on the new man because you got saved. You lost the domination of sin. Now, again, that's still a choice. You can, tr- you can choose to have sin dominate you, but you don't need to. You don't need to. Uh, many of you know that when Jason and Elizabeth were here, we rented from Jason and Elizabeth. Uh, we were there for a year-ish before they moved. Then we got a new landlord and my wife, you know, woman's intuition, we moved. That's all you need to know. <laughs> so, we moved to another apartment uh, out in Cayuga. Uh, what if, what if after we moved, Jason decided to come back from Texas every month and knock on our door at Laraway Road and say, hey, you owe me rent. You'd look at him and be like, mm, you're, you're not my landlord anymore. You're not my landlord anymore. Why would I pay you rent, right? You know what? That's what we do when we, when we fall into sin. We pay our old landlord. We don't owe our old landlord anything, right? All we owe is we owe everything to our new landlord, right? We, we don't have to pay rent. We don't have to sin. We don't have to pay rent to our old landlord, really, our old landlord, the devil. Uh, we also lost sin's chains. Let's turn to Romans 6. I think we're there, right? Yep, cool. Excellent. Romans 6, 17 and 18 this time. 
But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was believed, which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Again, we're freed from sin. We no longer have sin's chains. We can live unto righteousness. Uh, just for completion's sake, I didn't want to leave two points under this, so I did a third. What else did you lose? Tribulation without the presence of God. You lost tribulation without the presence of God. John 16. Verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We often say from up here and to each other, when the world, the lost folks go through things without the Lord, how do they do it? How do they do it? You know what? I don't know. I have no idea. I, when, we, when I lost my mom, I thought that same thing. I thought, how in the world did people lose loved ones and go through terrible things like that without being able to go to the Lord at any time and just talk to him and tell him your pain and tell him what you're feeling at that point? I don't know. But when you got saved, you, you lost having to go through those things without the presence of God. All right, my last point. What should you do now? All right, so... We know all of these wonderful things that have happened to us. Uh, all of these things that we just talked about. Um, number one I have, if you're not saved, get saved. All of these things that you just heard, if you haven't received them yet, you need to get saved. You need to understand that, there, there, that a man named Jesus, who was 100% man and 100% God, which, to my mind, you know, our math minds doesn't make sense, right? 100% of, that doesn't make sense, right? But we know, the Bible tells us, that he was all man and all God, right? He came to the earth, and he died at 33 and a half years old, and shed his blood for you and for me. And all we have to do is accept it, repent of our sins, and believe on him. You've, heard, you've probably heard it before. Salvation's as easy as ABC. Admit, believe, confess. It's so simple that our complex world doesn't like to understand it. It's so on a, on a base level that people think it can't be that easy. But it is that easy. You must admit that you're a sinner and on your way to a godless, terrible place called hell. You, you must believe that he died for you so that you could have that redemption, so you can have the reconciliation, so you can have the completion, so you can have all these things we talked about. And lastly, you must confess those sins. Secondly, I have, what should you do now? Now that you know all this information that you knew before, but we covered it anyway. Uh, get to God's house. You know, I'm so sick of post pandemic Christians, right? Look, this is God's house. Look, when you, when you are uh, around the holidays and you want, you want to see grandma, right? You're, you want to go to grandma's house. You know why you want to go to grandma's house? Because grandma's there, right? You want to come to God's house because God's here, all right? 
yeah, I understand. I understand you can you can have a good time on your couch watching the service. I love the video ministry. I'm so glad we have it. And there's people that cannot come. I understand it. But you know who you are. You know who you you know who's sitting on the couch right now and you could be here. You could be here. Get to God's house. You should be missing events. You should be missing events to attend church. You should not be missing church to 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 go to events. You know what? I'm convinced Mr. Corey said something about uh, me growing up in this church and, and by, the, by the grace of God, we're, my wife and I are doing right. I'm convinced that's because my mom said, there's a teen activity tonight. You can't do that. She said, there's church on Wednesday night. You can't do that. I'm convinced that's why. So parents, you want your kids to turn out right? Get them in church. Don't stick them on the couch and put, and put you know what? We sit on the couch and we watch Whatever videos Malin watches, all right? I don't want my kid to, to put those together. I want her to come to church and know this is where God is. This is where God's people get talked to. Sorry. <laughs> um, there's so much more. I wrote this. This is the last thing I wrote, and I, I laughed to myself as I wrote it. I said, there's so much more that can happen in the house of God on a pew than can happen in your house on your couch. Look, I get it. You can pray. You, amazing things can happen in your house, okay? But God's house is where you want to be. This is the place to be. Let's go to Psalm. Psalm 27. I had a feeling I get worked up there. Sorry. <laughs> 27 verse 4. This is David. <clears throat> 27.4 says, One thing have I desired of the Lord. Just one thing, he says, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. You know what you don't get on your couch? You don't get the singing. Yeah, you can sing on your couch, but you don't get, you don't get to hear those other people. Maybe, maybe through your, your sound. That's great, but being in the same place, there's nothing like it. You don't get the fellowship afterward. Again, I, I, don't, I don't want to step on anybody's toes that can't come to church. You guys get it. You understand. But if you can be here, be here. You know what else we can do? What should we do now? We should thank him. Who's ever watched? Okay, I'm going to tell a tale of myself. Who's ever watched the show Undercover Boss? Has anybody ever watched that? I do like Undercover Boss. My wife and I actually watched something called Undercover Billionaire. It's really interesting, fun stuff. I, I like the whole entrepreneurial aspect. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, what happens at the end of Undercover Boss is my favorite. I, lo I love the end of Undercover Boss because they finally, they finally reveal who the boss was. For you, you guys who don't know what this show is, basically a CEO of a major company disguises himself and goes into his major chains and tries, basically says he's you know, trying to learn the company, etc. And at the end, he reveals himself as the CEO. And generally, he, he hands out rewards or maybe fires somebody, you know, right? Um, I, I think of that and I think how the CEO, will, you know, somebody will say, somebody will be very good at their job and the CEO acknowledges it. and says, look, I want to give you $10,000 to help you with your kid for college, whatever, you know, whatever they talked about through the show. I don't know if all of this, some of this might be fake, who knows? But the, the story is still, still stands, right? 
What does that, that person do? Usually they break down crying, right? Usually they say, they say this, I don't know what else to say. Thank you. You know what? Sometimes the Lord does things in our lives. He does things for us. And you, all you can say is, thank you, right? All you can say is, thank you. There's other things you can do, of course. But thanking is such a, a big aspect of, of a Christian life. Being thankful, we know it says it is the will of God to be thankful. Just a couple other things and, and we'll close. Um, tell others. We need to tell others about these things that, that, that we have because of salvation. And they can get them too. Rejoice that you're saved. You know what? We think about a lot of things that are negative, right? Uh, I'm going to tell a tell on Elliot. He's not in here. I'm not going to tell you what happened. But he, he, he was dwelling on something that he did at, at school that was, he told me it was foolish, right? He was dwelling on it. I said, don't worry about it. It's, it's done, right? We dwell on stuff like that. We, we dwell on, oh, I made such a big mistake. That was such a, you know what? Don't worry about it. It's, it's done, right? Fix what you can and, and go on. But you know what we can do? We can rejoice in the Lord. We dwell on so much that's negative and we can dwell on our salvation. Uh, remember, hell is real. That's one thing we should do. Remember, hell is real. To me, that's one of the biggest struggles for me is just remembering that hell is real. And that's going to motivate us to do one of the first things I said, tell others. Lastly, don't get over it. I've never got over that this king would shoulder my sin and all its disgrace, right? Uh, I've never got past that I'm free at last. Uh, I can't remember the rest of the words, but uh, don't get over it. Don't get over what God did for you. All of these words that we covered today... Don't get over your salvation, your adoption, the advocation, propitiation, sanctification, satisfaction, redemption, imputation, reconciliation, completion, celebration, and justification. And the three things you lost, condemnation, sin's domination, and tribulation without the presence of God. It's so good to be saved and it's so good to know all of these things that were done for us. Now let's do whatever we can for him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be in church. I thank you for saving a sinner like me. Lord, I know what I am and who I am, but as, the, uh, as imputation teaches us, our righteous, your righteousness is imputed to us, and we're so thankful for that. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that is not saved and has not experienced some of these things that, uh, not that not that salvation is an experience, but it's it's something that we, we gained at salvation and, and a few couple things that we talked about that we lost. Lord, I pray that the, they would see their need for salvation, that they would maybe just come see one of us here and we could show them from the Word of God how to be saved. Lord, I thank you again for just being so good to me, so good to our church. In your name I pray. Amen.